You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 130. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months, and then on to six and seven-figure years without burning out in the process. At some point in business, you're probably going to need to create a sales page. And if so, the reality of it is sales pages are imperative for the launch to work to increase your sales. You're going to spend time growing your audience, nurturing your audience. You're probably going to either run a webinar or a challenge. It could be live or it could be evergreen. But all roads will ultimately end up leading to a sales page at some stage in this journey for the customer. But I see every single week people neglecting their sales page, treating it like it doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you it matters. It really matters. In today's episode, I'm bringing on the amazing guru for sales page conversion design, Melissa, to talk about three conversion design mistakes to avoid when designing your sales page. We're going to dive into, is there a difference between a sales page and a landing page? How important is good conversional copy on a sales page? How important is it to equally have good conversional design to complement the copy? She's also going to share with us her three conversional design mistakes to avoid when designing your sales page. And she's also going to talk about when should people, maybe like yourself, outsource the design and or copy to their sales page and so much more in between. She's an absolute gem. But before we hop straight into this amazing episode, I'd like to remind you that this episode is sponsored by my mastermind, the Action Takers Mastermind for Women in Business. Applications are officially open to welcome 20 women to join me for my 12-month online and in-person experience designed to get your business to the next level, whatever that looks like for you. The Action Takers Mastermind helps business owners like you to get clarity on where to put focus, genuine information on what's possible, what works, and what's a waste of time, helpful feedback on your ideas, perspective on your skills and talents, introduction to new clients, networking. I mean, seriously, the access to the community of people who understand and care about you is next level. Not to mention, during the 12 months, you're going to get strategy sessions with me, emergency calls with me when you need things ASAP, hot seat calls each month to talk about your individual business and how we can move that forward, implementation and co-working sessions, monthly mindset coaching by the most amazing mindset coach ever, 12-month access to our private Facebook group, access to other back pocket mentors so that you're not just getting knowledge from me, but you're getting knowledge from experts like a Facebook ads expert, Pinterest expert, mindset expert, productivity mentor, etc., and a two-day live event on the Gold Coast here in Australia. Sounding like my 12-month action takers mastermind might be what you need to get your business to the next level, then head to angelahenderson.com.au, click on mastermind um, on the menu board to apply for one of the 20 spots. Now, let's get into this amazing episode. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. 
Dude, it is super, super excited to have you here today because we've only just recently met. You know, you wouldn't think that we've only recently just met because we've been talking, you know, pre-recording for the last almost 40 minutes nonstop. So (laughs) I say it often and I will say it again is that when you get connected with amazing people, it doesn't take much for those conversations and relationships just to form. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, I had you as one of the 50 speakers for the Women in Business Success Summit. And I knew I had to also bring you on the podcast because you're Wealth and knowledge around sales page, specifically the design part of it, I think is super important and something that so, so, so many entrepreneurs are missing. They work so hard, Melissa, to get their launch down and they've been, you know, I mean, on the runway, they've got people coming on their list for 90 days and then they're doing the webinars or they're doing the challenges and then they go to open cart and then everyone has to land on that sales page. It's kind of like the hero of the story. But then it's like shit can go bad really, really quickly. And then people go, but why did the launch, what happened? Where was the disconnect? So I'm really, really excited to have you today on speaking specifically about that, because I think it's going to be imperative that we look at those three mistakes to avoid when creating doing the killer sales page. But before we do that, I always like to ask my audience a fun question so that the audience gets to know you a little bit more. So my question is, as I have, obviously, we've now been following each other for a couple of months now with the summit, and I noticed that you love the color red, but there's this one awesome photo of you too that also has these beautiful red roses. So my question to you is, is what shade of red do you like the most? And my second favorite, or second question that I'd like to ask you is what is your all-time favorite flower? Oh, uh, well, my all-time favorite flower is roses. When I got married, I, I carried a, I had a white dress, obviously, with red roses, and my bridesmaids wore red dresses with white roses. So, so I love fun. roses. I love roses, and I've actually done some work for some, um, like, a flower shop for a long time, and my, the, the rose photo inspiration came from, like, who someone's my dream to work with. So if you're listening, Mary Ellen, uh, let's connect. But Mary Ellen Matthews, who does the SNL still photography that shows up between the shows, um, she's got some really awesome creative direction and concepting there. So I use kind of the roses as a prop to kind of just like kind of hide my face because I'm so behind the scenes of so many different like marketing campaigns and website designs and brand developments. So I just love the roses because they smell beautiful. And um, my favorite color of red would obviously be that same red. And I love the color red because, you know, it represents power and determination. But I like to, I think we can all relate to those movies like um, The Devil Wears Prada. Or I just watched a really dorky one called The Confessions of a Shopaholic where like the young girl wants to be a journalist. She wants, you know, she doesn't, I'd never moved to New York City, but you know, she goes there in hopes of that. So I like to define like my design style is semi-editorial, but like very down to earth. And like when there's red, you, your eye automatically is drawn there. And I use red for a lot of my buttons and for a lot of the places I want people to take in action. Like at the top of my website, I don't know anyone else that has this. I have a red button that says send Melissa a DM and it sends you to Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time. So I'm very strategic and I'm very um, like thoughtful around the way that I'm using it. Obviously red up also can represent like blood. So I'm very careful for it. So, you know, it, ma- it matches the roses. You know what I mean? I don't even like blood. If I see it, I might get sick. So I'm very like careful with like the fonts I'm pairing with it and how it looks. The font inspiration actually sounds from Rachel Zoe's website. 
And so, um, yeah, red's my favorite color. The red rose color would be my favorite. It would be well, yay fun because yeah, because I was looking, I was like, what is my yeah. fun question going to be? And I was like, oh, the roses. Yeah. Oh, they keep popping up, and I was like, oh, red. I said, so we'll weave them together. So, roses yeah. are your favorite flower. Red is your favorite color. And we're probably going to talk a little bit more about the importance of different colors on the sales pages. Maybe, maybe not. You know, it depends on how much we go in. But again, there are important aspects that need to happen, especially around those call to action buttons. Which for those of you yeah. out there might be going, oh, you've already lost me stick with us I promise we've got a lot to talk about but and this is going to help to educate you about your sales page but before we even hop into the sales page stuff can you share with the audience a little bit about your business journey where did you start and where are you now oh my goodness yes I started my business January 2011 because I couldn't find a part-time job that had flexible hours in the design world Mm -hmm. And so I started networking and started working for $20 an hour for anyone who would pay me designing logos and business cards and social media consulting and pretty much anything. Uh And slowly but surely I did. And I did that through all all in-person networking. This was when social media was kind of on the rise, but not like it wasn't super like mainstream yet. Maybe it was. Mm -hmm. And then I started to work with local clients that, you know, gave me consistent work and I just charged them by the hour 2012-ish, 2013, I started buying online courses from all the, you know, most people that, you know, were famous at that time, like Amy Porterfield, Marie Forleo, Rachel Luna, Elizabeth Vialto. And I was really just fascinated with how they were marketing their services. And in 2000, November 2013, to make a long story short, I ended up becoming friends with someone on Facebook through a program I did through Amy Porterfield. And that person um, posted in November 2013 that he needed a graphic designer. So I like raised my hand. There were two available gigs. One of them was for product design for someone who was launching um, a skincare product line. And then the other one was for a sales page. And I happened to get the one with the sales page. I didn't get the other one. But the sales page, little did I know, was for Amy Porterfield. And wow, so from yep. there, yeah, so from there, I mean, and I had known who Amy Porterfield was because I had taken one of her programs earlier that year and I had bought B school and I went to California to like a mastermind, you know, because like that was the thing everyone was doing. And so from, you know, that was like my first solo trip, you know, ever to California, first solo trip, first time ever leaving my children at the time who were like, I don't know, six and 10 or 11 or something like that. And from there, I ended up connecting with James Wedmore, who I had met at that mastermind. And I was on a hot seat call for his membership site. And my problem at the time was, um, okay, I'm working with all these local clients, but now I'm doing the sales page thing and I'm really good at it. Like, what should I do? Because like my clients were nice and they paid me on time. And I was never concerned about making a huge amount of money. I didn't know what like profit and run. I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't really care about it. As long yeah. as I just had so you know, my, my question was like, what do, what do I do? And so he was like, well, I would love to hire you. So from there, I ended up working with him for, you know, three years as a sales stage designer, launch manager. I hired a team. I helped create systems. Like I pretty much did everything in the business and I stopped working with all the clients. But after I, you know, while I was working with him, when that first initial relationship came on, he then referred me to like everyone in his role about like I did the first 90 day year sales page. I did, you know, multiple pages for Amy at that time and like lots of different people. And then I had my first $5,000 month. And then fast forward to today, I am still doing sales pages, but on a very limited basis. I'm not managing launches anymore, but I'm doing a lot of consulting and strategy for my clients who want it be like a VIP day or something like that. And I've, I've done some 
you know, group programs and mentorships for designers. And I've got a program I also sell called Conversion Design School, where I teach the foundational elements of design and conversion design and actually how it relates to a launch, because there's a lot you need to look at from the beginning, you know, when you first get that subscriber, when you first even, you know, encourage that subscriber to become a subscriber to when they become your customer and they onboard and like, you know, following through with the whole experience. So I spend a lot of time doing that kind of consulting in my own business um, for my clients and also for myself. So um, that's where I'm at today. And um, yeah. yeah. Well, how, I mean, what a beautiful journey though. Again, the importance though, as I want to just emphasize this is about you chose to invest in yourself though to Melissa, you chose mm-hmm. to back yourself. You chose to, you know, to, to buy the programs. You then got connected mm-hmm. with the right people. You chose to take the leap of faith in regards to getting on that plane and leaving your children. I mean, it's a very tough gig, you know, as a mom, when you're leaving those kids for the first time, but you chose mm-hmm. to put yourself out there. And because of that, Again, I'm a huge believer, and I said multiple times on this podcast that your network equals your net worth. And yeah. you, because of the fact that you took that risk and then you connected with James and he didn't connect you, because when you pay to work with someone, I the I always before I ever sign with any person, I spend anywhere between forty to sixty thousand dollars a year on professional development. I go, A, do I need what this person is offering? And B, who are they connected to? Because I want to be able to get into their ecosystem also, not from a place of like douchebag. All right. That's not what I'm saying. I I genuinely want to build relationships with people and get to know people who are on the same vibe as me. But the thing is, is like I I pay to get into people's ecosystems genuinely. And that's what I say to people, too, is when you work with me as a business consultant in my mastermind or one to one is you're not just paying for my years of strategy, you're paying for who I know. Because when I connect you to those people, you will grow. But also like, you know, for example, if I had a client whose sales page was horrible, the design was horrible, I'd say, okay, great, you need to speak with Melissa. Because here's the thing is they can go, I know there's a problem. Then they're going to go into Facebook groups and try to find someone that thinks they know the program problem. Then they got to interview these people and then they end up hiring the wrong person anyways. So like when you hire me, also you're hiring me to help reduce your time and efficiency and connect you with the right people who've got runs on the board. And so often I think people miss that part of genomine when they're looking at working with someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just be very clear that like I didn't, go to the mastermind thinking I was going to get work from James Ludmore. I knew he would be there, but I wanted to learn YouTube. So I wasn't that forward thinking back in the day. I was just really excited to help people and people kept coming back to me for more sales page work. And that's been the magical thing about having that quote unquote signature service. I didn't even knew what a signature service was, but I was providing such a great experience because I learned that I had a project management brain that I learned that that was a talent and I didn't know. I thought that, you know, everyone wants to spend their life on Friday night. They don't. I don't <laughs> really weird, but whatever. Um, and so my, you know, I was always like, okay, this sales, this person needed four sales pages in two years. This other person needed a sales page, a membership site. Then they needed services consulting. Then this other, you know, so people kept coming back to me because not only were the designs I was giving them, making them major money, Mm-hmm. But they were like, it, and it's really crazy because I just reflected back on this. Like I hired Lacey Boggs in 2016 to polish up my sales page copy for the signature sales page service. And so like the literal thing that I'm promising, which is like the expansion of teams, the changing of the customer's lives, 
your sales goes going up literally has had a ripple effect on more in more ways than I can count. Mm-hmm. I've even met people at, at events who have d- bought a course from a sales page design that I've done that was I did five years ago and they remember it. So, you know, yeah. I think that there's a lot to say, you know, when it comes to like providing just a good experience mm-hmm. with people and being doing what you say you're going to do when you actually, you know, doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. There's mm-hmm. a there's a lot to say for that because there's people unfortunately out there that don't do it. I mean, listen, I just had the prime experience at time of recording yesterday where I hired this particular person to do this thing in my business. Uh, and I thought this person was doing the right thing over the last 18 months, a.k.a. accounting. And then I found out that it wasn't. So now I have brought these new accountants on board and now it's it's a hot mess. Right. So we now have to go back and amend different quarters because things didn't marry up. I mean, AKA the PayPal US sales weren't connected. So now all the US sales weren't connected to the financial reports, Melissa. Oh, uh, so, yeah, so, you know, so things like that, like, again, I do think there has something to be said that when you hire someone to execute what they need, I think is missing in today's world. Because again, you don't know what you don't know. So you've got faith that these people who say that that's what they do are doing their things. Now, don't get me wrong. It's still my responsibility to have understanding. And that's why my hunch kept saying, dig deeper, ask a little more. And that's why I was like, something didn't feel right. But it's still our responsibility. But it doesn't mean that there's aren't people that aren't taking money and not doing what they say. But also, there's people who do do the right thing. But they don't. And this is where to me, I talk a lot of, often about human to human marketing, the experience and interaction that one faces with a particular brand. And so even though they do what they say they're going to do, it doesn't mean that you experience and have an interaction with them. They take their money, they deliver and they're gone. But to me, it's yeah, like yeah. it's so much harder to obtain your first client cost from a cost perspective than it is to, to get someone to come back right to you. And yeah. so, I mean, last night's another example that I just a lot of people have been saying, Ange, when are you going to start your networking stuff again? And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't, there's not many days left in this year. And I was able to pull off a day. And within eight hours of me posting that, uh, 60% of those tickets are gone for this intimate night that we'll have in Brisbane on December the 4th. But those majority of those 60% of people, I'd have to look at the data, but I reckon 40% of those people are returning because they've had some touch point with me already. Yeah. And so, again, you don't have to then want to work harder. Right. But that customer experience, I believe, is so important, but yet so missing. All right. I know we could talk about that probably in a whole nother podcast episode, Melissa, because, uh, yeah, it's something super important. And I think in the busy world we're in and where people are treating people like transactions, uh, it's yeah, it's it's lacking. But let's get back to the, the podcast for the day, which is we're going to talk about the three conversion design mistakes to avoid when designing your sales page. So let's start because some listeners out there are going to get this. So the first kind of two questions, I just want to make sure everyone's on the same playing field. So my first question to you is, is can you simply define what is a sales page? Yeah. So if you've ever watched an infomercial, I like to compare sales pages to infomercials. I watched the jewelry ones all the time with my mom when I was a kid. So basically it is a long form web page or it can be a short form web page where the primary goal is to get someone to buy something mm-hmm. um, and so the and it's not you know the goal it's usually got one thing in mind which is to get the conversion and I think that when people need a sales page in my this is my take on it and this is what I tell all my clients and all my students and members of my programs is that it's a good time to make a sales page when you have an offer 
that's already proven and it's already sold, or you already have an established audience who is excited to buy literally anything that you have for sale. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people make the mistake is that they create an offer and they don't know if it's proven. They don't know if people are going to get results or maybe they get like a couple students, but those students then don't follow through on the program. So then they don't have any case studies. They can't say, okay, this person went from, you know, point A to point B. They don't have those types of stories. So I think it's really important to have, make sure you have a proven offer and to make sure that like when you're making your sales page, that the intention is to make a sale, not yeah. <laughs> to just not to just be sleazy. You know, it's there to kind of help people make the decision as to whether or not, you know, they should buy your offer. And again, God forbid people sell, Melissa. Do you know what I mean? The yeah. word sales page can make people want to vomit just for that because we've used the word sales. I mean, we aren't doing yeah. business for most of us for shits and giggles out there, people, all right? So yeah. there's, there's got to have intent that you just don't want to go all this work and put together a beautiful sales page and not actually sell the client what they potentially need to help them in their transformation. Yes, and I think that there's, I think that there's a big, you know, people, a lot of times people will say, I hate long form sales pages. I don't read them, but they work. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I don't think that there's like a right or wrong length for your sales page. I've worked on sales pages that are 1200 words. I've worked on sales pages that are 10,000 words. It doesn't matter. What really matters the most on your sales page is, is the content clear? Do Mm -hmm. people really understand what they're going to buy? What's the refund policy? So many people miss this. Like someone will buy something and the refund policy wasn't clear. And then they, you know, they, they're just not sure about what they bought. And then maybe they just bought in the heat of the moment. And then they try to get a refund and then there's like no refund. So it's just not made abundantly clear. So, so you're, for you is you believe that most people would need a sales page when they've already got the proven product. Would you then suggest that people who don't have a proven product yet, they just like, how would they, how would they sell it then? Um, I think so. I think that there's twofold to that. So I think that if you are newer to business and like your audience isn't very big yet, or you haven't sold a ton of want, like things via a launch or like an evergreen funnel before, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's time to make a sales page. Yeah. But if you already have an established audience and you're creating something new, like I had one client who had sold a ton of things before and he had hit just hit like, you know, multiple seven figures. And he had a new product and like we broke like the high record sales, <laughs> the high, the, his high sales goal of like 12 hours with an opening cart. So I think that if you have an established audience, it's time. And if you have an established offer, it's time. If you don't have those things, I'm not saying you can't build a sales page. I'm saying there's, you can sell it on a sales call. You could sell it on a webinar. You can yeah. use a PDF. Like when I sold my first mastermind spot, like again, I'm not someone who spent the first, you know, seven years of my business building an email list because I was working with people who wouldn't sign up for my email list. They needed someone to sign up for to you know, provide a done for you service. And that's a different audience than the people who bought my list. I had 30 people on my email list. I did a, a webinar. 30 people had signed up for that webinar with Facebook ads. And I had a PDF and slides that explained what happened. The person had to apply to join the mastermind. And I got my first sale without sales page. And I'm known for making sales pages. So there's a ton of different ways to sell something. I think the thing we get with the sales page is we get a tool that can make this help make the sales process easier. It can help us avoid sales calls if we don't want that to be a part of the checkout process. And it just can, again, be a place where people can go to get 
all of their questions. And that's what I like about it is that you've shown people that there's an ability that you can sell in more than one way. And that's something yeah. that, again, I think is something that people struggle with when they're start, first starting business. Well, such and such guru said I need a sales page. Well, again, even with my own clients, there's a time and place for sales pages. I totally agree. If you've got time to, to even design one, right? Because it, it like I'm because sometimes I don't know what your thoughts are, Melissa. I can see sales pages where I'm like, actually, you've probably just this is more of a detriment than it is helping you, right? And that's yeah. when I'm like, a webinar could have been better. Getting on a call could have been better. So I I wanted to say thank you yeah. for talking about that because. There's no one cookie cutter way. And that's the beauty no. about you have to do what works best for you. Like I, I love doing three-day challenges. Other people are like, I only love doing webinars. Again, test what works for you and then we'll figure it out. Now, can I just ask you though, just so again, everyone's on the same page. What is the difference between a sales page and a landing page? Because I just want to make sure that we're, again, people understand the difference. Yeah. So in premise, like I like to give a lot of credit to these two terms and like what they are to um, Ollie Gardner, who is the founder of Unbounce.com. A landing page can also be called a sales page, but a landing page has the same goal and that goal is to get the conversion. But on a landing page, the goal could be, it's just to get the conversion. So that's, get, that's to get someone to take action. That actual action could be someone booking a call. That could be, you know, um, entering their info for a contest. That could be signing up to get, you know, your free video masterclass. That could be signing up for text alerts. It could be, you know, filling out an application to join someone's program. So a sales page can also be called or referred to as a landing page, but the landing page typically is there to get an opt-in versus just like, kind of informing someone and that's the difference between your website so the sales page is primarily there just to get the sale and then the landing page which again you can also refer to your sales page as a landing page um the goal is to just kind of inform people as to what it is that's going to happen when they're going to work with you or opt-in no fantastic because again it's just something that i i know often i hear people well do i do do i need this or do i need this you know and again it's like well what's the intent behind it right and then it's like we need to kind of work backwards from there now how okay a sales page there's a lot of meaty components that come up collectively Mm -hmm. with a sales page um, and obviously they're like and some of these points would be quite integral points but i wanted to talk about though is when people come to you they're like melissa i'm i've got the i've got good copy or i've got my copy ready or etc how important is it to have good conversional copy for a sales page um it's it's integrally and it's so important that i don't and i i'm different than 95% of the other designers out there and the fact that I won't work on a sales page unless I either personally know of the copywriter or I know the copywriter or I can see the copy myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it's important is because, like, for example, I did a sales page for someone um, who sells a manifestation course. And she's done, you know, I met her through B-School in 2013. We were working on a sales page. She had hired a copywriter prior to me coming into the project. And literally the night before we were going to go to production to get the sales page developed, which was already on a tight timeline because she kind of came to me last minute. Um, I had to have a come to Jesus call with her because the offer like wasn't clear. Like I knew what she did and, but 
looking at the page and like the way that the offer was displayed and like explained, it just was not cool. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of had a like there was a small you know meltdown, but she knew that I was right. And had yeah. I not told her that, I couldn't in good conscience produce the rest of the page. So you know we adapted, we got it done. But it to me is so important that I would rather have you just use like a simple text layout on your whole entire sales page, maybe add like some different colored backgrounds or just like, you know, a couple pictures here and there to break it up and keep your design so simple that people will read your copy because we all have different personality types. We all take in information differently. Mm -hmm. And if you're someone like me who really needs to know the details and really needs to know the schedule, so that I can make a plan. Like I get security in that. Like my six-year-old nephew is just like me. And he's like, okay, you're coming over on this day at 3 p.m. Not 4 p.m. Auntie, this is 3 p.m. You got to come over at 3 p.m. People, yeah. you know, need that security. So I think that the conversion copy aspect of it is maybe it's, I don't think it's more important, but I think it's just as important as the design itself because the design is what displays the work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? women in business, get ready to ignite your success and elevate your game. Join me for an exclusive three-day women in business conference from October 31st to November 2nd at the breathtaking Gold Coast, Australia. Designed exclusively for online business owners, service-based business owners, coaches, consultants, and course creators. What to expect at this amazing three-day Women in Business conference? Expect an immersive experience filled with fun, empowering keynote speakers, interactive workshops, networking opportunities with other successful business owners, gain valuable insights, forge meaningful connections, and leave inspired to take your business to new heights. 12 speakers have already been announced with five more speakers being announced shortly. We have Steph Taylor joining us, Anita Seek joining us, Lisa Cordiff joining us, and not to mention Maddie from Sound Healing Australia, who will be there for the most magical sound healing experience ever. You do not want to miss the event of the year for women in business. To secure your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au today. And that was going to be my next question is, is how important is it to equally have good conversional design to complement the conversional copy? It's it's just as important because it's, it's, if you have, you know, okay copy in a pretty page, like it's not going to work together in a way that will help guide the user towards the bottom of the page or more, more importantly, which is what we want them to do towards that buy button. Mm-hmm. Things will be confusing. Things will be clear. We are all distracted enough. We don't need to be distracted by bad copies. So I think that there's a real art, you know, and if you look at like a typical agency, I think that this is what people miss too. You know, I just connected with the creative director who was in charge of the McDonald's rebrand, you know, the global rebrand of all the restaurants. They did a custom font and everything. And, you know, there were like, 30 people listed in the credits of the work that they did. So most of the time when you have a marketing agency who's going to come, you know, and work on these campaigns, the copywriters and the designers, there's, they're all, all the stuff is being worked on together, or there is a creative director who is there kind of overseeing the entire project. That's the approach I take to my projects. I've never worked for an agency, but it's, just as important for them to, you know, read the copy as it is for the copy to flow. You don't want it to be really cluttery. You don't want it to be really busy. You don't want to use like, let's say, you know, white text on your whole entire page, because maybe someone who has some vision problems 
wouldn't be able to read it. You know what I mean? So to me, I think it's really important. And if you're not able to do a sales page, I'd rather you do a simple uh, Google Doc with maybe some, you know, styled fonts and use that versus a and turn it into a PDF. Yep. Again, always things that you can do to be flexible. So let's talk about the three most common conversional design mistakes to avoid when designing a sales page. Hit me up. What are yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. And so the first one that I, I see often, and people are kind of like blown away when I share this tip with them, is that they, they have either too much navigation in the hero section, which the hero section is just the top part of your sales page that's above the fold on a desktop computer, mm-hmm. or they have the wrong kind of navigation on their sales page. So let me like, let's say, you know, you've got, you know, on your website, you've got a home page and about page and a work with me page. Mm-hmm. When I click on that work with me page, I shouldn't see the other page. There should not be links to the other pages on your website. The same yes. header and footer shouldn't be there. Cause like I just went to someone's footer and you know, it was very clear as to like who they helped, you know, like how you could hire them, like, or join one of those courses, how you could work with their agency, like what the different services were. And that was fine on their homepage on the sales page. We don't want to link to your YouTube channel. We don't want to link to your about page. We don't want to link to your press page. Instead you can use press logos. You can have an about you section on the page. We want to keep people on the page so we can scroll. And the only navigation you should actually include on your sales page is links to things that are in the page. Those are called anchor links. So if I say, if I have an enroll now link, that can scroll to the pricing graphics or the checkout section of your sales page. It shouldn't go to a different page unless it's an external checkout page. We want to keep people on the page and we want to keep navigational items on the page that will help make it easier for that person to make the decision. For example, on a course page, you could have, um, you know, here's what you're going to learn. Here's when it starts. Here's the FAQ. Here's the case studies. Here's the enroll now. There's five. You could do the same thing for an event, like listing the schedule, the speakers, what the outcome is, who it's for, you know, by now. Like, you know, you could have very specific sections that people need to know. Like, let's say travel opens back up again because we're recording this during COVID. Well, if I'm going to go to an event, I need to know what time on Friday the event starts to know if I can either fly in early Friday morning or I need to fly in on Thursday. You know, Mm -hmm. those are really important details. So it's important to make sure that the navigation on your sales page is encouraging people to get the yes when it Mm -hmm. comes to the sales. Well, this is so refreshing. I, I'm just sitting there going, Poof, okay, this, this is good. This is what's on our sales pages. So I'm always grateful when that's working well for us. But the other thing is, yeah. is another similar thing, and I'm going to divert really quickly, is on people's websites. All right. This little tip that I also just want to, I feel I need to share, is people have worked so damn hard to get to your ecosystem. So again, similar sales page, they've worked hard, whether or not that was you had to produce a webinar and you got them to the sales page, whether or not you're running ads and it's costing you to get people there, whatever it is, you've worked your ass off to get to the sales page. And I say it's very similar. You work your ass off just to get people to your website. And then there's all these distractions and whistles. And the number one thing that pisses me off, Melissa, is at the end of a beautiful website, they've got all their pretty Instagram feed on the bottom of their website. and then. What happens is people then click the because those pictures are enticing, right? They're a little yeah. bit more probably funner. Then what happens is then people click to the Instagram and then you get to the Instagram page 
And then you have intent to go to what was fun for them. But then, oh, now you've got three little red messages that are showing up. Mm -hmm. You've got 84 notifications. So even though they had intent to go to your Instagram page, they've now been sucked into the world of Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. And they and Facebook and Instagram really don't care about us. So I'm like, too, I'm like on yeah. a website, don't take people to Instagram because they are going to not be yeah. there for you. And they're going to get lost about what they were doing on your website. Yeah. And so again, it's very sure. similar. So thank you for saying that. So that's very fun. Mistake number one to avoid is to you know, not have yeah. the menu bar or the footer stuff on the bottom and to make sure that everything is contained and answered within that Dunamine you know, page. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just say, I just want to say that you should have legal links on your footer. So you should have a privacy policy. You should have a terms and conditions link. And these are different. Like the privacy policy, I believe, can be the same as your website, but your terms and conditions for your programs and your offers are going to be different. And I, I, when I say that, I mean like a done for you, not even a, not a done for you service, but this would apply more to like a course or a mastermind or a group coaching program. Mm -hmm. um, you should also have an earnings disclaimer there as well. And if you have a course that you are selling, like let's say you're selling a tiny offer or something where you've had more than like a hundred students, I think it's very um, user-friendly to include a member login link on that page because how many times have you joined someone's course and then you run across their Facebook ad and you click it, then you see the sales page. You're like, oh, I want to go take that course, but you can't find the member login email anywhere, Yeah, right? So I think it's good to keep the member login. Um, Ooh, fun fact. I like that one. Yeah. And mistake um, and number two to avoid? Mistake number two to avoid is not focusing more of your time and energy and on like the goal and the strategy of the hero section. So the navigation is in the hero section. It's just the top above the bold design in your page. So people may not have a button there. And I don't have a button on, I think, any of my hero sections for my own personal sales pages. But that's because I launch very differently than the clients I work with. Mm -hmm. Or like they have a headline that's not, you know, clear. Or they, it's like the hero section doesn't paint the picture for what the end result's going to be. Mm -hmm. And the design isn't complementing it. It's, and they don't focus enough intention on that. Mm -hmm. But that's the first thing people are going to see. You know, like there's all these different studies. I think that the latest one is Stanford says you have eight seconds to get people. Yes. So like when I come to a sales page, and, and again, this is my strategy. There are a lot of experts out there that may say this differently. But I've done a lot of sales pages for a lot of people who have made a lot of money. So I'm saying this from experience, not just because I think I know it all. Mm -hmm. um, I want to know what the end result's going to be. Mm -hmm. I don't want to focus on the negative aspects of my problem or the struggle I'm facing right away. I want to be inspired mm -hmm. because we all need more positivity in our life. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're going to sell a Facebook ad store. You could say something like, scale your business in 90 days with my DIY Facebook ad store. Mm -hmm. Or you could say, are you tired of giving all your money to Mark Zuckerberg? Like, I don't, I don't know what the outcome is. Though. Yeah, I'm tired, but, or, or maybe I'm not tired. Like I actually know Facebook ads pretty well in my business. So that wouldn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. But if I had, if I knew that, you know, within 90 days, I would have a really good understanding of Facebook ads. That to me gives me a time frame. It gives me, you know, an outcome of scaling my business or being able to put my course on autopilot or whatever it is. So I think getting super specific um, and maybe even, I also like in the hero section to include some kind of a brand identity. So the, we could do, I'm not, a, I'm not technically a branding expert, but I know a lot about branding because we brand a lot of the sales pages we design. 
And people want to know, especially if you're a personal brand, who they're buying from. Mm -hmm. So I want to see your logo. I want to see your photo. I want to see some type of element of your brand, maybe your fonts, maybe your colors. And you can completely go off brand for your fonts. Like I've done sales pages and we've gone completely off brand. One of my clients held an event in the same room where the Oscars are held. So we have, we were very glamorous. Another event she held was in Las Vegas. So, you know, that was a a lot more flashy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that people want to know and they want to see your face. So get some kind of a sales video or an image or a logo or something just so that people know who they're buying from. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because again, it goes back to that old saying, the no like trust factor, right? Mm-hmm. is that you yeah me if I'm wrong, but you like when I go to someone who's got a really cool sales page even if it doesn't have their face but I've been following them on Instagram or I've been following them you get to know people's colors like again I clearly was able to identify yeah. your your colors and you right so I would suspect that even if you didn't and you may or may not I don't know but let's just say you did so I go to your sales page there might not be a picture of you but I will almost feel like I'm home like, uh, it's like yeah. I already know that person a little bit, even I like, I don't necessarily need your logo at the top because I've already, you've already ingrained other stuff in my brain because I followed you in yeah. other avenues, but it's still consistent. Yeah. And we also have to keep in mind that when people are visiting a sales page, most of the time, the traffic to a sales page is not cold. Mm-hmm. Some, they've had some kind of interaction with you, via, whether that be via a free experience, whether that be, you know, via um, a webinar that could be, you know, they're on your email list or they follow you on Instagram, they saw your ad, whatever. Um, people already are kind of familiar with you. And one story that's a really great example is Kimra Luna. So mm-hmm. if you don't know who Kimra Luna is, she's someone who went from like, uh, literally this is on her sales page, a digital nobody to like, like she had this like overnight success. She had a program that she sold called Be True brand you and in may of 2004 summer to between the may and like november 2014 she had done two different launches and she had earned 100k combined from both of those launches so cool she was doing all kinds of webinars and this was before i worked with her i met her at um, a mastermind and actually at james one more office that i planned um at the time when i was working with him and she you know was doing webinars on facebook ads and pick monkey and just like social media and tech training and like all these different things and she used this one image of her where you know her she had the side of her head shaved I believe her hair was like blue or pink I don't remember but she had these really cool post-it notes on the wall this really cute like black pink up on and she had just had a photo shoot done and she wanted to use her new photos in the hero section and I said no let's please use this photo because you've used it on every single opt-in page that you've had for every in every single graphic that you've done for all of these free trainings you've had let's keep some you know familiar like let's keep something there that's consistent and that people will recognize i think it the you know because by the time we launched her hair was short and blue right um, but she literally like went from a hundred thousand dollars from two combined launches to like 750 or seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars from her next launch now People still, I've and I've also met people who still remember that sales page. That was 2015. Mm-hmm. I've met people at events, and I don't go to a ton of events who like, oh, they're like, I took Kimra's program in, you know, this year. And I was like, oh, I did the sales page. So they're like, shut up. like, And they, they like, they, they get stopped in the track. And mm-hmm. so that's a great example I like to share because like it's, you know, when you're seeing that familiar, that familiarness, I can't say the right word here. Familiarity? When people are familiar with you. Yeah, familiarity. I can never say it right. <laughs> 
But when people are familiar and comfortable with you, it's going to help them lead to more sales. Now, again, Kimra was doing lots of other things. It wasn't just the sales page that helped her buy. But people say, like, the sales page is one of the reasons I bought that course, you know? Yep. Yep. And, and again, she was different. Mm-hmm. And it's okay like to be different. It doesn't. Out there. Yeah. I mean, I think in today's world, you have to have some sort of disruption, right? Mm-hmm. I know Molly Pittman did a beautiful, um, for those that don't know Molly, she's like, you know, really big in the, you know, Facebook ads and things like that. And just one of the most beautiful souls ever. But Molly now lives in, she's an American living in the Netherlands. And one of her Facebook ads was her uh, trying to catch one of the boats, like, uh, offers closing, do you know what I mean? Don't miss out, do you know what I mean? Like I'm about to miss on my boat or something, but it was just beautifully done, right? But the thing was, is it, it disrupted everything else. And the thing is, is so often I can get yeah. the sales pages and they're saying, saying, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm just either reading the same thing or the designs are saying, like there's nothing that, ca- like, and I'm not saying go crazy and go different. That's not what I'm saying because that can actually be a yeah. detriment. But what I'm saying is, is you can still infuse difference and fun, do you know what I mean? To make it, do you know what I mean? You Absolutely. and unique. And I, and I know, you know, so I totally agree. It's like, they don't have to be same, same. They can be you and again, on brand and stepping into that. I know I use my pink profile image often, but people who know me know that I love Nutella, that I'm a proud Canadian and that pink mixed with glitter are my favorite things. So it's like, I, I too keep that same photo consistent, right? It's like, it's on my Facebook yeah. page. It's on my Instagram page. It's in my opt-ins. So they know that again, it's, they just know I can trust you a little bit more. So what is mistake number three that we need to avoid? Mistake number three is not paying attention to the mobile design of your page i can say that p.s you should also pay attention to the tablet and the responsiveness of your page but if you only have the time to do one focus on the mobile a a, a friend who like just did a diy sales page asked me to look at it she was like be nice and i took like screenshots of it and her like her the hero section was beautiful because her branding is gorgeous but on the phone like her arm was like the whole hero section of the image the text was all like one so it was like d and then e and then oh, f no. like they were all vertically <laughs> displayed so again this, this was before her customers saw it but like you know mobile usage like here's the stat i share is up you know 222 percent in the last seven years it's probably more than that by now mm-hmm. and i even had an inquiry from someone earlier this year who had invested in a really well-known designer to do their sales page but when the the page was being developed there's you know and I think it's also important to know that some designers develop some designers design and develop some people either develop and some people design like whatever you do if you're a designer it's fine there's no shame in not developing because I also don't develop but I'm also very involved in the development process so depending on how my clients are going to be developing their sales pages they're getting a custom PSD for the tablet layout they're getting a custom PSD for the mobile layout because that saves the developer time and they know how many pixels, you know, the hide the button should be. They know how many pixels of space should be between each section. And so mm-hmm. I met with someone who literally they were like, I want to see the mobile design of your pages because people are not paying attention to that. And I was like, you just spent, you know, thousands of dollars on this design that you can't use because no one, you know, you've got 80% of your audience that is on mobile and they can't see it. Yeah. So it, like there's a lot of frustration there. So not paying attention to the mobile and making the time within the project process to look at the mobile and the tablet and even just like edit your copy, you know. And that's I know so often that's one of the things I do with my own clients is I'll say, Ange, can you look at this? 
And then like, it's my three point checklist is what I say. And even though, again, I'm not developing it and things like that, but I'm like, this looks great. Have you checked it on mobile? Oh no. Cause again, exactly right. It looks like shit. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, yeah. ah, and it's like, and you know, if, especially if they're trying to do this themselves, right? Where it's like they've either yeah. trying to put something together on Kajabi and they just don't know their steps. But I cannot agree enough, enough with you there is that people are on their mobiles pretty much all day unless mm-hmm. they're sleeping. And I would even argue that people are sleeping with their shit. Do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. that stuff is attached to people. So it's like, again, mm-hmm. it's not about what we think. It's about how are we meeting the buyer where they're at? And those buyers are typically, do you know what I mean, on their phones. Even first, they may then go to desktop to purchase, but they're starting out at some stage looking at that via their phone. Yeah, for sure. So, so hopefully that for those of you that are out there, that you're really thinking about some of these things and these mistakes that Melissa has been talking about and how to avoid them on your own sales page. Now, Melissa, I'm curious to know is when should people outsource their design? Because I know when I first started, I was very much like wherever I could afford, I'm just like, take my money and outsource because I would rather get it done correctly from the beginning than try and go, oh, is it is this piece wrong or is this piece wrong? I'm like, just fix that shit as soon as we can. But that's my mentality. I also use my credit card a lot to get started, right? But I was, that's what yeah. I chose to do. Now, not everyone is in that position. So for those though who are out there, like you're saying, like, what is the best practice? Like when should people outsource their design to someone else to make sure that again, everything is conversion on firing off the way it needs to? Yeah. And that's a really, it's a really tricky question because I think for everyone, it's going to be different. So what I like to do when I have a creative project, which we all have creative projects in our business is I like to look at like, okay, what are the different roles that need to be filled? So let's say you're going to have a website, you're going to have a copywriter, you're going to have an email strategist, Someone's going to have to connect your convert kit with your HTML. Someone's going to have to test all of that. Someone's going to have to develop. Someone's going to have to develop your brand strategy, your brand design elements. They're going to have to design all the pages. You'll have a photographer. So within there, I probably just mean like five or six roles. Which yeah. ones? And then, then there's like a project manager and like your team has to review it. So like these are all the roles within your creative project. Which ones can you fill yourself? that are a good use of your time? And will you make more money working with clients? Will you be more profitable if you're doing the design yourself or will it be better for you to outsource? And do you have the funds to outsource or do you have a wait list of a hundred people where you know 50% of them are going to convert because that's how your business has historically worked. So then maybe it's not a good idea. So like at the end of the day, like outsourcing can with, with someone who is, you know, an expert and has actually got experience can be a very good thing for you, but also have people have outsourced and they, you know, are working with designers who aren't good. So I would say if you're going to outsource your sales page, I would ask to see samples of their work. I would ask if they have results and like, if they know like, okay, what was the conversion rate of the page? And honestly, I'm not someone who knows a lot of the conversion rates of my clients' pages because they have tech teams who will then take my done for you service in house and kind of duplicate the page and do the things they need to with what testing and everything there. But do they understand the difference between graphic design and the difference between branding design and the difference between a sales page design? That would be the first thing. And, and then I think you, it's really, oh, yeah. No, go ahead and no, no, keep going. Sorry. I was just going to say the next thing is to kind of look at, okay, what is the cost and what is the timeline? And is this person available within your timeline? Nine times out of 10, if we're not planning or we don't have someone planning on our behalf, 
it's too late. People are already booked out. So make sure that you can find someone who can get the page done and will produce something that A, you're allowed to give feedback on and have a, an opinion about, and that will actually look good on mobile. You know what I mean? And I think it's really just kind of weighing, you know, the ROI on what it's going to be. My clients can, you know, sell one one spot inside their course or maybe two to three spots because I'm a little bit more expensive now than when I first started and get their money back right away. Yeah. And then use this. And then like the, I did a sales page for someone who started a membership site in 2017 and within two months, you know, he was making, you know, he had, he was booked like $500,000. He came back to me this earlier this year and I just rebuilt that sales page for him. Yeah. And that's a good yeah. question too, is, is that, yeah. Once you get, it's kind of like a good website build. You know, I have this conversation with a lot of my clients where I'm like, you're part of the foundational element as far as I'm concerned is to have a conversional website right from the beginning. And I won't get into what all those details are, but I'm like, because if you build a a, a robust website from the beginning, it will see you through over and over and over again. So where you might have to like the word, like skin it, do you know I mean? They might have to skin it up with like mm-hmm. updating their brand or whatever, but the structure is there, right? It's robust. It yeah. can keep firing on, right? And I, I know personally with sales pages is if you have them built correctly, you, it, with, and when I say correctly, I'm talking about copy and the design, right? Is that can this, that can go for years before you need touch-ups. Yeah. Literally, and so it's like, like yes, I you're have, out of it. Yeah. Yes, you're out of pocket at the beginning, but you're not like I, if you do it right, you don't have to keep getting a new sales page every time you launch. Yeah, I had a client actually. We did a launch. We did our sales page in 2016, and she did around 300,000 with that sales page. And then since then, she's like rebranded her company name. She has, you know, come up with different offers. And I didn't do the rebrand because I don't really do a lot of brand design unless it's for like a very special client that I have a good relationship with. Um, but then, you know, she had this really clean brand with like, you know, it was white with like black text and, you know, studio photography. She went back to the whimsical design that matched her branding at the time. And that page converted way better for her than the new one she had to find by the new company. So I think it's really key to just kind of see what works. But yeah, I had a client sell her $50,000 mastermind from my sales page for three or four years. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so it doesn't. And my question is, is what is the average percentage that a uh, page should be converting at? That's So that question too is one that I will say the average conversion rate is one to 3%. And I don't even know where those stats come from. But what I think is more important to, to listen to than the number I just gave you is what your sales page converted at during your last launch. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say you have, you know, 2000 people on your email list or 20,000 people on your email list, and you have a segment of people, you know, let's say there's a 1000 people in your segment. Okay, well, 100 people click on your sales page, and you get five sales. Well, then that to me would be a 5% conversion rate because you had 100 people who clicked and then five of them bought. Yeah. 5% is actually a really good conversion rate. I've had people who have converted way higher than that, but they have a really big audience. So you have to consider like where you're stopping. I remember I got frustrated with my very first launch because like, you know, I ended up making like $4,000 and I was like, I should be making way more than this. But I was like, honey, you have an email list of like zero people. Like, I think I had like a hundred <laughs> by the time I was done. Like, be happy with that $4,000. Like, people convert it. You know what I mean? Yes. And again, and I think too many people think that their first launch is going to be the biggest launch. Typically, mm-hmm. it isn't people. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean you failed. It just means that we've got room for improvement mm-hmm. for the next round. 
No. And I think that what's important too, is to celebrate the progress you've had, like, and offer that converge. And that's the thing with me. Like I would say of like the maybe 20 launches I've done in the last four years, that is a lot now that I say that out loud, but I've probably had 17 of them where someone's converted and maybe three of them where like, I didn't get any sales. And to me, I like, I honestly can say just being transparent, but I, I wasn't living in the amount of gratitude that I should have been in knowing that people invested in me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But again, these are the things that we learn, right? (laughs) We get older, we get smarter, we're in the journey longer. Now, for what tips can you give people wanting to jumpstart their sales page today? Is there anything that you mean you're kind of like, you do this, do this, and you'll be ready to, you'll be ahead of the game? Yeah, um, I would say get my copy outline. Um, If you don't have a good copy outline, and I can give you the link to that to put in show notes. Yep. Um, So spend some time on your copy. Spend some time learning um, the foundational elements of conversion design. And then to keep it really simple, find a template that's for sale by someone you know who does sales pages or use a drag and drop builder like Lead Pages because yep. Lead Pages has several pages. Or find someone who you know can, you know, just get in there and get their hands dirty and get it, you know, get it done. Or take a look at your existing sales page and, you know, Show it to your friend, who your your childhood best friend who you used to play Barbies with or you used to play G.I. Joe's with or whatever you played with when you were a kid and see if they understand what it is that you do. If they yeah. don't understand it, then you need to, you know, maybe hire a copywriter or, you know, give another give another go around. I always write all my own copy, but for my sales pages, I will bring someone in to kind of just like polish up my sales pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, no, fantastic. So I think, that, yeah, make sure it's clear. Make sure the design is clean. If it's messy, if it's, you know, if you have no consistent spacing, like, and again, I'm very anal about that kind of stuff. So just, you know, don't make it, don't make it like a hard thing. Just remember to be nice to yourself and just do one thing at a time and outsource it if you need help. Send me a message if you need me to look at it or I can refer you to a designer. Yeah. Well, Danielle, thank you so much. This has been a super informative and important because there's so many listeners of mine out there that are in about to launch or the thinking of launching. Do you know what I mean for 2021? And again, I'm all about just just get in there, guys. Do it right. Conversional copy, conversional. Do you know what I mean sales design equals all levels of awesomeness. But before we sign off, where can they? Where can my listeners connect with you? Yeah. So you can connect with me. At my website, which is just melissaburkheimer.com, I spend most of my time over on Instagram, and my name there is just Melissa Burkheimer. And I also have a podcast all about design where I talk about sales pages and I interview designers and people who are involved on creative campaigns, and it's called The Design Business Show, and you can listen at thedesigndesinessshow.com. Good, fantastic. And I do have one last question for you. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Oh, that you're just getting started and things. you like have so much potential, like quit playing small. Yep. Dude, love it. And before we sign off uh, again, after this amazing episode of Melissa, I'd just like to remind you that my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode and Melissa's uh, link that she talked about. I'll also make sure that is included in there and all her other links where you guys can connect with her. Thanks again for being on the show today, Melissa. I really, really appreciate your time and just appreciate you as an amazing human. 
And for the rest of you guys, have a fabulous day, no matter where you're on the world. And don't forget that applications for my 12-month Action Takers Mastermind are open. So you can head to AngelaHenderson.com.au and click on Mastermind to apply today. And for the rest of you, have a fantastic week. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Melissa. Thank you, Angela. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson www.angelahenderson.com.au